Hey, we have an amazing event coming up, the Expert Advantage Workshop Series, where every day for a week, starting on Monday, May 20th, it's myself and another expert coming on to present to you about various kinds of things to help you with your brand and your business. Our brand new experts and residents in pro are gonna be there to co-host these workshops with me, and you're not gonna wanna miss it. You'll have a chance to ask all of them questions, and it's completely free to join. All you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Wednesday, May 22nd, we're gonna be talking trademarks, copyrights, how to know when to do it, what IP can you do it with, and the common pitfalls that most people fall into when it comes to intellectual property. 101 with Yasmin Salman Hamdan, and you're not gonna wanna miss that on Wednesday, May 22nd. And then finally, to finish off the expert week on Thursday, May 23rd, we're gonna be talking with Pamela Slim, about how to monetize and scale your IP and position it and package it in a way that is unlike anything you've really been taught before. Incredible value from Pamela and all of our experts on our Expert Advantage Week. And all you have to do to sign up and join and get all the links that you need is smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Again, one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Join us on our Expert Advantage Workshop Series. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Hey, what's up, everybody? Pathlin here, and welcome to episode 1213 of Ask Pat 2.0. You're about to listen to a coaching call between myself and an entrepreneur just like you. And today we're speaking with Alexandra Mannerings, and she is working on something pretty big, in fact. And we talk about a lot of things with relation to data which is her business, it's her love. She also has a podcast called Heart, Soul, and Data. And her superpower is using data to help organizations raise more money, understand better decision-making, all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, she costs a lot, but she doesn't want to leave out those who might not be able to afford her. So we come up with some interesting ideas, in fact, and she has some ideas of her own that we dive into, and I help shape it a little bit, and we come out of this with some amazing energy, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Alexandra Mannerings. You can find her on LinkedIn, too, and here we go. Alexandra, welcome to Ask Pat 2.0. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me here today. I am thrilled beyond words to join you. Well, I'm thrilled to learn more about what you do and how I might be able to help you and everybody else is wanting to know. Alexandra, what do you do? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. So the reason I get to be here is that I am the sole proprietor of a company called Maracanos, which is a data services and analytic education company that is devoted completely to helping nonprofits and mission-driven organizations amplify their impacts through data. Now, when I'm not wrangling data, I'm also the mother of two toddlers, three and five-year-olds, so my life is very full and very busy. That's a little bit my background. Nice. So very data-driven. Were you always sort of a data-driven type of person growing up? (laughs) The funny thing... You always think that your life is normal, right? Like your family is normal. And so like you get to high school or college and you see this diversity. So right. my mom's a food microbiologist. My dad's a psychologist. My brother went on to be like a rocket engineer. He works for Lockheed Martin. So I've always been surrounded by science. But I also have this deep appreciation for literature and the human soul. And in mm. fact, my company's name is a made up word from Greek roots that means Meraki to do something with all your heart and soul and nos, which is the root for like deductive logic, like cognate. 
Mm. So I always joke that it means like heartfelt logic or or soulful data. That's really cool. I love that. How does that play into your role as a parent, right? Being very data-driven. Do you involve any of that? Because I know some people who are very data-driven and then they had kids and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't data my way through this. <laughs> There's this concept in in using like data-driven decision-making of, of different system levels. And there are mm. simple systems complicated systems and complex systems. Complicated systems are launching rockets, right? Where there's so many moving pieces, but there are formulas that can have something land exactly where you intended it to four months and 9 billion miles from now. You actually do know exactly what's going to happen when you launch your rocket. And Mm. then there are complex systems like kids, And so science and data certainly like play a role because they can recommend things that have worked for a group of that population before. But yeah, you really have to give up that you're going to somehow like know what's going to happen or be (laughs) able to figure out like from your data exactly what you should do next. That's so funny. Uh, Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about your business specifically. You said that you help and target nonprofits, which is so incredible. How are you specifically helping them? Take us through maybe an example, if you can. Right now, 100% of my business is consulting. And that's part of the problem that, that we'll get into with some of my questions. But I work basically to provide any kind of data services, analytic strategic planning, program evaluation, development of dashboards for leadership. So for example, I am helping on the Colorado Naloxone project right now, which is this incredible incredible program to help Colorado hospitals dispense naloxone to at-risk patients that show up in their ED or hospital settings. And so I get to help implement the data collection side of that to make sure that we're actually doing what we say we're doing, right? How many at-risk patients are we having and how many of them are getting naloxone that they need? So naloxone is the drug that can reverse overdoses. It's like a miracle drug. So that's an example of how I can use data to help measure, you know, is a program doing what it's supposed to be doing? And and if not, how do we get it back on track? Gotcha. As a consultant, what is selling like to you? Do you walk in the doors and sort of have a pitch and go, here's how I can help you? Or how does that work? The majority of my business, and you've actually helped me with this before, actually comes from groups that I have worked with in some capacity or another before. Mm -hmm. And they have a data need that arises and they go, you know, who could help us with this? Alexandra. And so they might call me up and say, hey, I have this project. I'm putting this grant in. I need data analysis. Or, you know, I work with a group of hospitals and I joke that I'm their like data consultant on retainer, right? Like they'll just call me up and be like, this new financial policy came out and we need to understand the impact on us. Or, you know, we're trying to figure out why our insurance premiums just went up. Can you help us understand the demographic data behind it? Other than that, a lot of times it'll be also looking for like a particular challenge. So I knew that a program was coming out from this, our state Medicaid agency that had Mm -hmm. this huge data component to it. And so I reached out to a lot of the smaller hospitals and said, I know you guys are being asked to submit all of this data. Can I help you with that? Here are my experiences working with the Medicaid data and the Medicaid programs. Mm -hmm. And a number of them said, yes, please come help us. That's great. Do you have any public facing content platform or hub where you're showing up to sort of demonstrate this expertise, which could obviously support any of these pitches that you're offering? Yeah. So I have a podcast called Heart, Soul, and Data. Again, sort of a play off. I like it a lot. Miraculous. Okay. So I mean, it doesn't have a huge following at the moment, but that is a place definitely where I talk with other experts in the field and really try to create approachable, open conversations about analytics. This isn't a place where you're going to learn super technical things. This Mm -hmm. is where you're going to realize that data is something we all 
can do. And honestly, we do it in our daily lives. We just don't always recognize how we're interacting with it. Thank you for that. I think I have a a nice overview of what it is you do and how you do it. Where can I help you? Where are you looking to grow into? And let's kind of uncover those. So here's the big problem, right? I said that 100% of my business is consulting. And that's because the way that the nonprofit space works right now is it is hugely reliant on consultants. This is just how it's been. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that data as a central pillar of the organization has not really been what nonprofits do. It's showing up in the business sector, becoming a data-driven organization. You know, I put quotes around that has been very popular in the corporate sector, but it really hasn't landed yet in the nonprofit sector, even though the funders are starting to go that way. So the operations of the nonprofits haven't quite gotten there, but funding is starting to really go towards, can we measure impact? And we're going to fund places where we get a lot of impact. So this sets up a problem, which is you have these organizations that are not equipped to be able to do sustainable analytics because they've been dependent on this one-off consulting model. Then the second problem is, is that consulting is great when you have the budget for it. So if you get a grant to cover your like one-off project, um, or you're one of the like 3% of nonprofits that has a big enough operating budget, great. But if you look at the IRS data, I'm data-driven after all, Mm -hmm. 92% of nonprofits operate with less than a million dollar budget and over 88% spend less than Mm -hmm. $500,000. There is no room in that budget to be paying for like a huge consulting project or even hiring analytics staff. One, right, I want to bring analytics to that 92% of organizations. I don't want it to just be the domains of like the huge universities and the museums and like, you know, the Gates Foundations, who I love, not mm-hmm. knocking that. But I mm-hmm. want this to be something that everybody does regardless of your you know, size, the size of your budget. Right. And so I've come up with this idea that is influenced by a couple of groups that I'm really lucky to work with right now, which is you can't afford to hire an analyst but I bet you could afford a 10th of an analyst. Maybe you can't afford to put in a Tableau server, but you could afford, you know, a 20th of a Tableau server. The idea would be to either create formal consortiums of nonprofits that formally share these resources, right? We all sign on and we agree that we're going to share this analyst we'll hire, or we're going to agree to share this analytic infrastructure that we put in place. Mm. Or it could also look something more along the lines of like fractional services like HR departments will do. You know, you can get a fractional HR to support your organization if it's not big enough to need a full HR person. Um, Or CFOs, they'll do this or other C-suites, right? Like, our organization doesn't justify a whole CFO, but we'd like to have a quarter of a CFO. Yeah. There's sort of those two possible models that I'm exploring, and there's a lot of challenges with trying to move towards those models. Yeah, I mean, my question is, if you're doing, for example, fractional offerings of yourself to many, mm-hmm. are you able to divide your time fractionally in the same way, or are you going to be 20x what you're doing and only receiving a 20th of the payments, right? <laughs> right, exactly. No, and I think if we did this, approach of like the fractional, it wouldn't necessarily just be me like fractionally dividing my time, but building up a a network of people that we can divide that time across. And that's where like the consortium model would work where they would, you know, I would help them hire somebody that they would be sharing. So they would get, you know, a full-blown analyst that they would be splitting across that work. The other thing that has come up, and I've had some really fun discussions with other like solopreneurs out in this space, is what if you created a network of specialists in these areas? And then people basically could join this community. It's a mirrored consortium, 
right? You have a consortium of individual experts. You have a consortium or a community of nonprofits. They get a pool of hours. And when they need help with a survey, they could ping the survey writer and they get five hours of the survey writer's time. Mm. Or if they needed help setting up a dashboard, they could get the data visualization expert's time. Okay, I like that option. It feels a little bit cleaner and easier to manage, I would think. And plus, it gives you access to the group, right? And that's highly valuable. And the trade-off is you're not getting a single person to devote all their time to your needs as a nonprofit, but you also are able to flip that and go, well, despite not getting access to a single person who's devoted to us, we have access to all these amazing talents and are able to essentially utilize them on demand as we need them. And that sounds to me just off the cuff, a lot easier, nicer, cleaner Mm -hmm. to manage. Now, the setup of that and the contracts with the others who are in there, I mean, that's going to be a little bit of a mess to figure out. And, you know, there could be uh, things where there might be one person in there who's just getting asked to do things all the time when others aren't getting asked to do anything. So, you know, managing the expectations and managing on both sides, the nonprofit side and and, and the sort of consultant or expert side is going to be a challenge. But that model feels really good to me. The fractional model it might be hard to really uncover exacts within that to make it work financially. But Mm -hmm. this other model is great. And also it gives you the opportunity for a little bit of more passive opportunities to offer value, right? There might be a person who's an expert on something who develops a template that might be easily shareable. And that's kind of the benefit that, you know, might make sense for 80% of the people who are in there, 80% of the organizations. Um, There could be opportunities to have group calls, right? And Mm -hmm. opportunities for well, hey, you know, you don't get access to us on demand at any moment in time, but once a week, we're going to come together to talk about these things. Or, you know, hey, here's a an organization within our crew here who just has a specific need that we see many of you need also. We're going to help them through this publicly so that you can follow along and get things done alongside. So how far along are you with this or is it still sort of conceptual? I've been enrolling people into the idea, like finding my my network of superheroes that could support yeah. this. And, and there's a lot of really high interest in it. And I work with two consortiums right now that do have a formal consortium structure to share okay. analytic resources. So I have some case studies to show how coming together can you know reduce your costs by about 10x, you know, in certain areas um, yeah. and how you can sh- create these efficiencies by not repeating something that you need to do 10 times across the 10 organizations, but just do it once and share the findings across that. Right. So that's a huge uh, benefit for the nonprofit. How are you on the other side, on the on the, the people coming in or the experts or other analysts, what's the benefit to them? Because that's going to be, if I was one and I'm like, okay, well, you're going to make me put a little bit more time here. I could do one-on-one and make more. What's the benefit for me? How has this helped me in the end? Have you thought about that? And Have you actually asked people to see if they'd be interested on that side? Yes. So I've talked to several people on that to see if they're interested. And they really like the idea because I think we all recognize that making analytics available to more organizations is a really critical social benefit. Right. One of the things that I've thought about as a way of like offering something that people might not have access to on their own Mm -hmm. would be that if we don't go the formal consortium, right, you're not creating these formal connections between them, but more just say, here, let's have a network that accesses a network, that you could have a virtual university as part of it, right? So a place where there are either on-demand or cohort-based courses, Mm -hmm. and the experts that we bring in could 
submit a course basically to that. And then you're sharing, again, sort of, it's it's a drinking the Kool-Aid. You're sharing the burden of having to maintain, you know, a course site and all of that across right. all these individuals. But then you're also centralizing the resources for all of the nonprofits coming in. So it's a, a win-win. For sure. I think there's also the ability for you to, if you were to create this from scratch, which you are, you could essentially put a stake in the ground and say, this is for heart-centered analysts who want to come together and here's a little insignia that you get or a thing after your name that you get or a, a placard that you can put on your website or next to your bio that shows that you're a part of this. And this is coming, you know, you could mm-hmm. you could command it. I mean, it's not going to happen right away, but you can command it as having a little bit of a authority play. Like if you are a part of this, you are now sort of leveling up into the space where everybody's going to know that if you are a part of this, you actually care to help those in need who don't normally get to afford your services. And that can be very neat as far as a group, right? It reminds me of even back in my day with the lead exam, leadership and energy and environmental design. These are essentially, if you qualify to be lead certified, it means you get access to certain things. But as a lead certified person, you know, accredited professional that adds to your resume, it adds some credentials to you. So I could see it being very similar in a way that you essentially can create that credential. And then the cool thing about this is maybe, I mean, this is maybe separate, but it also kind of reminds me of like, I don't know if there would be some sort of number that a person would not need to exceed in order to qualify to get access to this group, right? It almost becomes mm-hmm. like low-income housing. You know, mm-hmm. if you make too much, you don't get access to low-income right. housing. But if if you need it, we're here to help mm-hmm. you, right? Kind of thing. So... Yeah. Um, it could it, it could really make a name for itself in this space, I think. I think if you position it as such and as heart-centered, but also it's qualifying these people who are also wanting to be a part of this, it could really take a name for itself and not just be like a private little group, but really becoming something that if a organization knows that they can't afford it, they know to come to you. It just becomes known. It's going to take yeah. some time for it to sort of permeate in, into the space in that way, but... That could be really neat. I don't know. What are your thoughts and responses to that? Well, I mean, you're sharing why I'm so passionate about this, right? I do believe that this can fundamentally shift how we're able to drive impact in nonprofits and Mm. amplify the impacts that they have. Like That's why I get so excited about this idea is exactly what you're saying. And I like the idea of creating sort of a credentialing thing or saying that we represent this. Like as a group, we've come together to represent this and we're going to share something that shows that you know, you're also committed to this cause. And I agree completely in the participation qualification, right? That either it's tiered, right? That we have like a, a tiered rate that if mm. you fall into this category, you automatically have like 50% off the going rate on this. We can work with the bigger ones, but you're going to fund then us being able to have these reduced rates for everyone else. Right. One of the things that I'm struggling with a little bit, though, is this is such a big paradigm shift for how we do analytics, because, you know, like I said, everyone's in this space has done it based on like we have these one-off consultant projects or we don't do analytics. <laughs> we're, we're just too small. We don't have to mm-hmm. worry about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like this is more than just selling a new product. Like it, it's having them fundamentally change the way that they see and value and approach How am I willing to actually execute on analytics? So I was wondering if you had some advice on how to take people through that that journey. I don't feel like just good testimonials is going to convince them, right? They might Mm, either say, but that's not how we've done it. Like, yeah, sure, that worked for them, but that's not how we do it. Right. You need to uncover the specific objections that they have about why this won't work for them. And you need to flip it on the head, right? And you can use instead of a testimonial, which are often very surface level and just about how well of a job you've done. I think that taking 
a person into the story of somebody who had the same exact objections and where they were to where they are now and showing what has happened and what's opened up. I think the truth here is we have to realize and remember that people don't want to do the analytics, right? right. Like they're not yeah. waking up in the morning and say, I want to do data analytics for my fundraisers and organization. It doesn't work like that. They no. want the outcome of what the yeah. data can offer them. That is what you're selling. So in the positioning of this and in conversations with those who might not feel like they need data, yeah. you might be able to even as clearly say, well, would you want more funds for your organization? Well, of course. Right. Well, let me show you how data is the key that can unlock more, right? And like when you yeah. tell stories about that, people then can go, ah, I see myself in that now and I can right. see how I felt just like that person. But when they opened up, look at where they are now. Mm, okay, where do we go from here and how can you help me? So that's how I would sort of structure any sort of positioning because, and you were just laughing, but I think it's because you've probably heard that before. Well, it's, we don't... You know, what's what's data going to do for us? Right. No, and I, I'm also laughing because like I wake up very excited about data and I get that that is not the norm right, at right, right. all. <laughs> and so, yes, no one wants to talk about data. It either scares them or bores them or they feel it doesn't apply to them. Right. Similar um, to going to the yeah. gym. I mean, most people don't <laughs> want to go to the gym. I mean, there are some people uh, who are obsessed as just going to the gym as you are obsessed with data. And that's fine. But most people who need to go to the gym don't want to go to the gym, but they want that rock and bod. They want the energy. They want to feel confident. They want that relationship or what have you. Yeah. That's what people want. That's what you're selling, actually. The key is just data. So on the lines, one of the things that I've struggled with in my mastermind group through SBI Pro right, has been really good at helping me think about this is what are some of the quick wins that I can give either for free right, or, mm -hmm. or to get people engaged and really recognize that I'm not just blowing smoke, right? That this right. really is impactful. And I struggle with this because the only quick wins that I can come up with are very tactical because the transformation that people want takes time, right? Yes, I know you'll get more grant money when you do this, but you're not going to get a grant in a week. And right. yes, I know you're right, going right. to drive more impact when you do this and you're going to save more lives or you're going to heal more people. And that's not going to happen in a week. Can a person apply within a week for a grant? Like I'm trying to take this bigger goal, right, of receiving a grant to what would be the first step that they aren't even taking yet? And how can we get them to at least get excited about that, right? Taking that first step. Um, like if I was teaching fitness, right, a big quick win would be maybe buying your equipment or it might be, you know, I'm not even at the gym yet. Or it might be getting my gym membership, right? That's a huge win. That's confidently helping you understand that this is the direction you want to go. That can be a quick win, just that first baby step that you take. And again, when you position that as you are now starting to unlock these things that are now possible for you, mm -hmm. maybe the win is, well, where do these grants even exist? Oh my gosh, you showed me a website that I didn't even know existed. Huge. Right. And three minutes, you gave me something that could potentially change my organization. That's a good point. And I think one of the things that I've struggled with is that they don't necessarily get the value or the transformation that I'm I'm wanting to get them to then, but they at least see progress towards it. Progress. Like, and your gym is membership is not going to improve your six pack, but wow. it's a step on the journey. Here's what I always say. If you want to change a person's life, or in this case, an organization's life, start by changing their day first. So what's something they could do today? It might even be maybe not necessarily the grants, but maybe there's something organizational that they can now unlock and see, wow. I didn't even know that, right? Maybe taking them through a calculator. You can even automate this. Like there's a 
website called outgrow.co that you can kind of create these formulas and equations that people can input numbers. Maybe they input the number of employees they have or their, uh, how much money they've been making or, you know, their goals. And then it spits out this calculation that says, here's what you need to do from now till, till your goal. And then it might lead to questions like, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Well, data can help you. Let me show you for, uh, as an example, right. And spitting out that number, much like how, again, fitness analogous, it would be a quiz that that would allow me to put my, you know, my age, my weight, and sort of a, a few other things, and it spits out a BMI, which then enables me to go, ah, here's my body type, and here's the kind of foods I should right. eat, or here's now the, the workouts that I should do yeah. for my goals. There might be something similar that potentially you might be able to do with these organizations that could be automated and scalable. Right, and it would help them kind of figure out where in the journey they are or what their next step might be. Like you said, you figure out your body type. So you could figure right. out your organization type and then say, all right, what kind of analytics are most appropriate for me to pursue given these goals that I want to yeah. achieve? You can even automate the answers if if this, mm-hmm. then that, right? If they yeah. are within this range, here are the pieces of content they should listen to. Or, uh, here is where they should start. Uh, here is the phone number to call so we can get on a discovery call together. Or, hey, you're not yet qualified to have one-on-one with me, but mm-hmm. we have this really amazing group of heartfelt analysts who are here to serve you. Here's where they are, right? So, right, go there. Yeah. So, how are you feeling? Are you feeling better, more confused? How's your data analysis of this conversation? It's funny because I always say for my podcast that a successful episode has people leave with more questions than they came in because they're thinking about things that hadn't dawned on them before. Right. Right. So. Oh, yeah. I think I have written down a whole bunch of questions for me to go through and and try to really dig into. I one like that you said this is a cool idea. That makes me feel good that it's not yeah. just me coming up with this and that you know, the conversations I've been having with other people are are validated as well here with your you know deep experience in in ideas and concepts. So I really appreciate yeah. that too. Oh, my pleasure. You know, I'm not into data analysis. In fact, Matt, my CEO, will tell you that very strongly that I'm not into the numbers is all because I'm more of the creator type. But I can definitely say that it doesn't matter what business you have. A lot of these principles are universal in terms of what works and especially with regards to the transformation of these organizations and what they really, really are looking to get and how you have the key to help them unlock that. And a few stories here and there can really change that and and a few quick wins as well. So I'm glad you brought that up too. But yeah, Alexander, cool. this is this is awesome. I, and I would say, I would argue that your methodology is actually heavily, quote unquote, data driven because you do a really good job of taking a, an approach and seeing if it works and then saying, I know this approach works, so right. we, it can work for other people. Like that's science. Right. So, that's true. so you might view yourself as a creator, but this is what I mean is this is how, how success happens. That's true. Maybe it's because it's so, I'd simplify it so much that there aren't huge spreadsheets. It's, did this work? Yes, no. If yes, talk about it. If no, talk about it. Exactly. That's it. Right. And and adapt it. Try it again in a different way. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, this has been such a great way to start the day, Alexandra. Thank you so much. Looking forward to chatting and seeing you in pro and seeing how this progresses. Where can people go to follow along or see what you have going on? You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I am the only Alexandra Mannerings on LinkedIn. And I also have my company page, Marakinos there, which is M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S. And you can go to marakinos.com for my main website. And if you want to join the conversation about data, please do check out Heart, Soul, and Data. It's on all of the podcast platforms, Heart, Soul, Ampersand, Data. And it has its own website, just heartsouldata.com. Love it. Thank you, Alexandra. Appreciate you and look forward to seeing your success.
All right. Thank you so much for your time, Pat. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alexandra. Again, you can find her on LinkedIn and definitely check out her podcast, Heart, Soul, and Data. And I love the approach. I love her superpower and being able to use it for good in this way and the ability to use not only her superpower, but her network to be able to create something that might be of benefit to both her network and the community of people who she's looking to serve. So well done, Alexandra. I cannot wait to see where you go with this and how far it stretches. This is gonna be awesome. I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for you, the listener, for making it all the way through and I appreciate you and I am so, so grateful for all the amazing reviews that have been coming in continuously here throughout the year. It's just amazing and it keeps me fired up to keep publishing these episodes for you and I just wanna thank you for that. So if you haven't yet done so, make sure you hit subscribe and don't miss out on next week's episode. We always have some amazing guests coming on who come on asking for a little bit of help, but they're so, so willing to be able to help you by allowing us to share this publicly. So a big shout out once again to Alexandra and I look forward to serving you next week. Cheers, peace out, and as always, Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to Ask Pat at askpat.com. I'm your host, Pat Flynn. Our senior producer is Sarah Jane Hess. Our series producer is David Grabowski. And our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Ask Pat is a production of SPI Media. We'll catch you in the next session. Hey there, thank you for listening to Ask Pat 2.0. Now, you might have noticed that we haven't published a new episode in a while, and that is because in 2023, after 1,269 episodes, we decided to sunset the show, for now at least. And this way, we can focus our energy and efforts on our other podcasts and other projects. That being said, all 1,269 episodes are still live and downloadable, and the published dates may be old, but there are still a ton of questions I've answered on the show and people I've coached. Those episodes are just as valuable as they were back then. So you can also visit smartpassiveincome.com slash askpat to dig through the archives. Plus, there's a search tool on the website that lets you search across our podcasts and blog. And of course, the Smart Passive Income podcast is still live and energetic and awesome and publishing twice a week. So make sure you're subscribed there so we can still continue this conversation. And we have some of the foremost experts and thought leaders in entrepreneurship on the show every single week. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Again, check it out. It's the Smart Passive Income podcast. Just find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find it there as well. Thank you again for listening in and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.